Hello, everyone. Jody Heiss here. Welcome to another edition of the Freedom Caucus podcast. We're honored to have you on board with us. And here we are. We find ourselves halfway through the president's 30 days uh, to slow the spread, to stop the spread of the coronavirus. And, uh, you know, look, there's conversations all throughout Congress, uh, through the administration, through citizens all across the country, primarily on two fronts. Number one, keeping America safe from this virus. But number two, and this is going to be the focus of the program today, how do we get our economy up and going again? Joining us today to discuss this important issue uh, is Jim DeMint. Uh, Every one of you listening and joining the program right now, everyone knows the great senator from, uh, former senator from South Carolina, a leader in the resurgence of the Republican Party uh, from, uh, from everything from uh, fighting our, for our personal liberties to life to fiscal responsibility. And he continues today that same fight. He started the uh, Conservative Partnership Institute, uh, which is still just doing a fantastic job and a marvelous friend of the Freedom Caucus. Uh, and just this past week, the president appointed uh, Jim DeMint to the Great American Economic Revival Council, and we're going to talk about that. But first of all, Senator, thank you so much for joining us again on the podcast. Always an honor to have you. Well, Jody, well, thank you for that glowing introduction. I don't know if I can live up to that, but I'm very grateful for your friendship, for the Freedom Caucus, and uh, we love as part of our mission at the Conservative Partnership to support the folks in the Freedom Caucus in the House. Uh, it's, the, for me, the only relevant group now in the whole Congress because you've, you've got 30 or 40 folks who will agree to stand together. And what I've seen in Congress, if people will, will stand together and make a commitment that they can get things done when no one else thinks you could. And so uh, I appreciate it and thank you for having me today. And, and we're in a heap of trouble as a country right now. And it's, it's our job to help get us out of that. Well, we are in a heap of trouble. And, uh, you know, you, you, as much as anyone in this country, in my opinion, you understand how to get through difficult times. And you, you understand what it takes to take a stand in difficult times. And I'm so thrilled that the president has put you on this council. I want to get to that here in just a second. But before I get there, Jim, you... Uh, recently had an op-ed that was published in The Hill, and it was dealing with the topic that we're going to be talking about now. And you talked about, again, the two issues. On the one side, giving thanks to those who are working in our healthcare community, what they are doing, their sacrifices, their professionalism, all that. But then you said this. You said, we need to fully function. We, we need a fully functioning economy to survive the coronavirus, we also need a fully functioning economy to ensure the future of our nation. It's time to get Americans back to work. Uh, it could not be any better said than that. Uh, so let's talk about this, Senator. How do we do it? How do we get America back to work? Well, Jody, the, the media and I think a lot of folks on the left are presenting a false choice to us right now. They're saying, OK, you're either for saving people's lives or you you want to to put greedy capitalism back to work and and that's not the choice at all in fact the point i make in that editorial 
is our healthcare system, our medicines, our technology, everything de depends on a, a vibrant private sector economy. So it won't be long before even the healthcare side it deteriorates if we don't get our economy going. And we could have a lot more damage to people individually and their families if, if we don't get it going again. But here's how we do it. Just first of all, let's recognize that a lot of this has been done not by the virus, but our response to it. And the president has put out guidelines. He's recommended staying at home. But the fact is he has not shut the government down. I mean, shut the country down. That's largely been done by governors and mayors, a lot of CEOs, uh, and some of it by necessity because their supply chain from all around the world was interrupted by by this. Uh, the way to get back to work is to recognize that a large part of the country is not like New York. Uh, we don't live on top of each other. We don't have high infection rates. And we can get back to work because uh, what I asked the president to work on that's really important is we need better information about this virus. Uh, who, who is it affecting? Uh, who is dying from it? And we know anecdotally that mo most people who are affected by this are older and have pre-existing conditions. And while there are certainly exceptions, for the most part, younger, healthy people, people under 60, have very little risk of dying from this disease. But we need the data to prove it. And that's what we're asking for, because right now, Jody, I think you've got areas, particularly like New York, that are exaggerating uh, the the numbers who are dying from the disease because you might die, you might be 99 years old, die of kidney failure, but if you had the coronavirus, they're going to list you as a, a death from the coronavirus. And so what we need to know is what is this really doing and what's the danger? Because uh, my theory is, is that uh, millions of Americans have already had this, have, have immunity to it, have very few symptoms and that, we, that the large majority of Americans can go back out in public, go to restaurants, get on airplanes, and go back to work. But what we're doing to make sure we're doing this cautiously, and I was encouraged by all the CEOs on the, the phone call yesterday with the president who are developing best practices for work, workplace safety, how to practice distancing, how to use masks, uh, washing your hands, uh, not to come to work if you feel sick, uh, a lot of this is dependent on the ability to have a wide access to testing and a quick turnaround. So if you don't feel good, you can get tested and, and know whether you can go to work or not. So the private sector is working out all of the criteria to safely go back to work. The president needs to re release some guidelines. And what I'm recommending is for him to make it clear that these are voluntary, that the governor shouldn't overstep constitutional um, boundaries because many of them have taken up authority that they do not have to tell people they can't go out of their house and go back to church. So part of this is taking back our constitutional rights as we go forward. And I think there's a broad consensus even in the healthcare community that we can do this safely, if we, but we need to get about it right away because you can't flip a switch and turn this economy back on. Um, and I'll give you one example, Jody, and I know I'm talking too much here, but you, we've got a, a large plan here in uh, South Carolina, BMW, and they didn't shut down necessarily because of the virus or that they had employees who had it, but their supply chains of, of parts and engines and stuff coming from Europe and all parts of the world dried up. 
they can't make cars again until they get the supply chain. And that's true even for a small restaurant is you've got dozens and maybe hundreds of suppliers. So we it's going to take a while to ramp this back up. But for the most part, people just need to know it's safe. It's low risk to go out and get back to work and get back to life. And I think except for a small portion of our population who are at risk, the rest of the country can get back to work. Well, I think you're spot on with that. And, you know, the the sad thing, the train that has left the station at this point is not only the some of the realities of the virus itself, which, as you mentioned, uh, eight, probably I think it's in the ballpark of 80 percent of the people who contract this thing are asymptomatic. They're not even aware that they have it. I mean, and we do know the populations that are most vulnerable. But unfortunately, the train that has left the station is fear that's been created across the country. And fear is paralyzing in and of itself. And so people are afraid. Not only are they being told by their governors or states or whomever to stay at home uh, and all this kind of thing, but they're hearing it on on the media. They're scared to get out. And you now have been appointed to this council made up of some tremendous business leaders, some tremendous political minds, people who are working out a plan to establish the phases, the steps, whatever it's going to look like to get this economy uh, back and going again. You've already spoken to the president, as you just mentioned. What? How, how did the discussion go? I mean, this is the, the signature issue of the president, the, the economy. Where is he on this thing? I, he's got to be antsy to get the economy up and going again. Uh, well, Jody, first of all, we, we need to recognize that the president was willing to sacrifice the greatest achievement of his administration yes. in order to save lives. Absolutely. And he, took, he took the advice of doctors to stay on the cautious side uh, of this, it, even though uh, I think he knew that they were doing worst case scenarios and, and stuff that he hoped wouldn't come true. But anyway, it, it, it was a real test of, of character that he passed with glowing colors. But I, I wish every American could have heard him on the phone yesterday, Jody, because uh, he knew so many of these CEOs. He could talk um, in depth about their industries, the problems they were having. Uh, and there was a real give and take. It wasn't one of those things where 70 people called in and we listened to some pres- a presentation from White House staff. I mean, this was the president engaging with CEOs, farm leaders, um, the um, labor union leaders, and he talked to them all as friends and they were complimentary of his leadership. And and the president really listened. And so it was um, it was encouraging to me to hear him you know, take the leadership role here to see the CEOs uh, recognizing how to do uh, workplace safety at the same time. What do they have to do to get the country going again? And and I and and I think uh, what I pulled away from that is these companies are ready to go. Uh, we just right. need some leadership at the top saying it's time to go. Let's phase it back in. We'll get some guidelines from the White House in the next week that just has common sense things. If you've got an area with low infection and you can do the testing and you've got hospital capacity um, and you need to get young, healthy workers back in the workplace and open up businesses. And now restaurants and theaters and airlines can do things that maybe they weren't doing before to create a little distance, a little safety there. So all 
all the businesses are going to be trying to go along with this. Uh, but so I'm proud of our country. I'm certainly proud of the president. Uh, I found through this whole process, Jody, as you probably know, he's got some great people around him. And now with Mark Meadows and Mark Short and, uh, you know, R Russ Vogt, uh, great personnel office. So I came away feeling really good. We've got a lot of work to do. But the leadership at this point is, is going to uh, be vocal as much as the president can't give a mandate to put the country back to work. But he's got to be able to convince Americans that you're safe. And if, if you listen to Ben Carson, who's one of the wisest and nicest people, I think, in Washington, you know, he just reminded everyone that there's life is full of risk. You never can eliminate all risk in any situation. So the, the, the question here is, is how do we balance and manage the risk of this and other things that we face every day. And so I, I think what's happened, Jody, that's unfortunate but expected is this has gone from being a healthcare crisis to being a, a political tool that the left and the media is, is, is trying to use to hurt Trump. And that's why they fanned the flames on this in the very beginning after saying he was uh, acting too swiftly with the travel ban. Then they said he didn't act swiftly enough. And they're going to complain every time he talks about opening the economy back up because what the Democrats and the left want more than anything else is a bad economy in November. And we're going to have that bad economy in November if we don't get in the next couple of weeks a real process started to, to get people back to work and, and open our country back up. Well, that's exactly right. And it's not just for November. I mean, this is for the sake of our country and the livelihood of individuals. I mean, we could be facing a depression if we don't get our economy up and going again. And it's uh, it, I think we've got to get beyond and it's offensive to me, uh, indescribably so, how the Democrats are using this as an opportunity to attack the president as they've been doing from the get-go. But there's another question I've been wanting to ask you uh, in, in light of this whole thing. Uh, and for all our Freedom Caucus listeners, I think this is an issue of great concern. And that is the individual liberties that are at risk with what we are seeing in some cities, some states for that matter. Uh, you mentioned a while ago churches, uh, uh, but there's multiple fronts in which uh, our liberties are being enormously threatened. In fact, I had an op-ed about this myself this past week, and it's 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 very concerning to me. Uh, what what are your basic thoughts? You've been on the forefront of this particular issue for a long time. Sometimes when there's a crisis, people seem willing to surrender some of their li liberties for the sake of safety, and in this case. Uh, it seems like we are at least tempted to uh, relinqu relinquish some of our freedoms for the sake of uh, physical safety and not getting this disease. But that's a dangerous step. It's dangerous to start walking down that path. What are, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? Well, it's you're exactly right, Jody. And our, our founders uh, warned us of any people who are willing to give up their freedoms for in return for a little uh, security don't deserve or will they get either one? And that's that's the way it works. I, I think part of this is good faith of the American people, not, not just they're clamoring for security, but they want to cooperate. And a lot of this is, uh, they, you know, it's not just that, hey, I can go out of the house, I'm not afraid of this thing, but now they're, they're accusing you of, of threatening the lives of others uh, if you go out. 
And so I think Americans in good faith have tried to go along with a lot of this. And certainly some would like to have safety. Unfortunately, the bill passed by Congress is actually paying people more to, to stay home than they were making uh, when they were working. It's going and employers and that are having, makes it hard to reignite this thing too. Sure, it, it does. Yeah. I mean, I've had, had a, an employer t- uh, tell me he, he's in a catch 22 now. He, he's got to get 75% of his people back to work in order to get the, uh, the business continuation money that was in the bill, but they won't come back to work because they're getting paid more than he was paying them before. So they want to sit at home for four months. The problem is a lot of those jobs will go away uh, and they'll, uh, people will be clamoring for an extension of unemployment insurance, and, and that'll go into the election where the Democrats will be saying we've got to extend unemployment. Um, so we, we have to head that off by getting the economy going back, and, and we know we can't get a, a bill through Congress that it's not, that's not loaded with a lot of lift, leftist things. So the president is, is trying to figure out what, what he can do uh, under the um, emergency declaration order. What, what can he do? ask people to do voluntarily uh, to, to get the country back. But you, you're right, Jody, we have to kind of reflect back after all this is over and, and realize how quickly we were willing to give away freedoms um, here and how quickly politicians used a crisis to take authority over our lives that they really don't have constitutionally. They can't just say, well, we're going to save you from yourself so you can't go to church. I mean, that's a that's a really bad precedent that they're taking care of us so we lose our liberty. So we have to reflect back on that. But, uh, you know, particularly in the Freedom Caucus, which is one of the things that you focus on spending and borrowing and how to have a fiscally responsible government. But we've just blown the roof off of everything we've worked on the last 20 years here with the this money that's coming and uh, not only being spent by Congress. I mean, we were already uh, projecting a trillion dollar debt. We'll probably have half the tax revenues that we expected. So we'll have a whole lot more debt just for general operations. We've, we've done the two trillion plus um, stimulus uh, and, and that's small compared to what the Federal Reserve has done to print money to what they call put liquidity in the market, which means they're just buying more of our own debt. And so we're printing money like we've never done in the past. Now, we don't literally print it anymore, but it's expanding the money supply. Um, And I'm just really worried about inflation. The fact now that they're talking about an infrastructure bill, which would be trillions more, and they want a second stimulus bill, and I guarantee you before the election, they're going to want an extension of a lot of this spending. So, I mean, the fiscal aspect of this, I know people say, well, that you shouldn't be thinking about that in the middle of a health crisis. We have to because we'll lose a lot more, a lot more people through unemployment and poverty and suicides and all of that if, if we let our country crash. So now's the time. I mean, for such a time as this, I mean, that's why we're here, Joey. That's why your listeners uh, keep in touch with what's going on with the, the Freedom Caucus and uh, that's why you guys meet every week at our place when you're there and to try to develop strategies. But I'm looking forward to getting back in the, the thick of things. And uh, But this is going to take more than any other time, uh, informed voters who are engaged. I think it's going to take another uh, kind of Tea Party type effort of Americans coming forward and saying, 
we're not going to do this again. We're not, we're not going to get dependent on China again. We're not going to let you shut down our country again, take our freedoms away again. We're not going to let you just print money and go crazy because you say it's for our own good. I mean, there are a lot of things that we need to do in retrospect here to make sure that this is not done again. Well, I could not agree with you more, Jim. We, uh, if, if there's any lesson in this, uh, it's that we've got to bring manufacturing home. But the whole, the whole issue of the massive expansion of government and the massive uh, funding that is taken from this is, is totally unduplicatable. It's unsustainable. Uh, what are we going to do with the next emergency, for example, when a hurricane comes next month or the month after? What are we gonna, we are a nation, like all nations, future emergencies are on the way. And we cannot react then as we have reacted now. And the I cannot tell you uh, the concern that the massive spending behind this has created for me, and I agree that uh, the, the concerns of inflation and all the ramifications uh, on the fiscal side of things and this has just been, um, I, I don't know how to, I, I just don't know how to wrap my mind around it, but we have got to get this under control, reignite the economy and get going. Jim DeMint, unfortunately, our, our time has run out. I want to thank you for joining us on the Freedom Caucus podcast Sir, you are a wealth of knowledge and just a massive friend to all conservatives across this country. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Jody. My pleasure. Well, folks, listen, that's all the time we have for this episode. I know you loved it. As always, uh, Senator Jim DeMint is one of the favorite all-time on this program. We'd encourage you to rate this program, subscribe to it, and share it with some of your friends. And of course, all of that you can do on iTunes or SoundCloud. To follow us more about the Freedom Caucus, you can always do so at facebook.com slash Freedom Caucus and on Twitter simply at Freedom Caucus. Thanks again for joining us today. Until next time, have a fast, fantastic remainder of your day. Keep, keep the door to blaze. We'll see you next time. <laughs>